Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, Major Junior. Hey, Connor McDavid of the Erie Otters. Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds. I'm Jonathan Yerudo from the St. John's Sea Dogs. I'm Braden Holpe for the Saskatoon Blades. This is Gabriel Landeskog. I'm playing for the Kitchen Rangers. Hi, this is Sean Couturier from the Drummondville Voltager. Carter Hart of the Everett Silvertips. This is Taylor Hall of the Windsor Spitfire. Nathan McKinnon from the Halifax Mooseheads. NCAA. Hey, this is Jack Eichel. I play at Boston University. It's Alex Turcotte. Hey, it's Kale McCarver. Hey, this is Jack Drury. Hey, it's Kyle Connor. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Denver University Pioneers. It's Morgan Barron from Cornell University. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hello, this is uh, Jerry York, the coach at Boston College. The World Juniors. My name is Andres Fischko from uh, Team Russia. Hey, it's Joel Ferby from Team USA. It's Norris Sider from Germany. I'm Philip Broberg of the Team Sweden. It's Ellie Paul Lennon. Hey, it's Nikolai Ehlers. It's Matt Sogard. Hi, it's Timo Meyer. Hi, this is Jordan Edwards of Team Canada. The NHL Draft. This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Hi, it's Gordon Bicep from the Sudbury Wolves. Connor Derry from the Camelot Blazers. I'm Alexander Holtz. I'm Lucas Freeman. Cole Perfetti of the Saginaw Spirit. Dylan Holler from the Wisconsin Badgers. Hey, it's Jake Sanson. I play for Team USA. Brady Schneider, Caden Dooley. Here's Marco Rossi. I'm from the other sound. And more. Excellent! This is the Pipeline Show. Happy weekend, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Hey, that's me. If you're a newcomer, then welcome aboard. If you're a returning listener, thanks for coming back. And if you are a patron at patreon.com slash the pipeline show, then a real extra special thank you to you. There's been a lot of action lately here on uh, the uh, the Patreon page. Lots of new patrons, which is fantastic. I really, really appreciate the support. If you value what the pipeline show does and think uh, you got a couple of bucks a month that you can spare, Throw them uh, towards the Patreon page. You get early access to the interviews that you're going to hear on the show this week. You'll also have the opportunity, if you want to submit questions to upcoming guests, you can do that. You can request a guest. If there's somebody out there, a player or a coach or uh, a commissioner of a league or something like that, that you really want to hear on the show, you can let me know. Uh, all of those things are available to patrons at patreon.com slash show. I put out the question of the, uh, the week. On Twitter earlier today, as I'm speaking with you right now, it's kind of late afternoon Friday, so I really want to get this out uh, as soon as possible, because as I'm, uh, I'll let you know in a second, there's things happening tonight. But the question of the week is, with the uh, WHL's uh, return to play tonight for the four of the five teams in Alberta, so really, there's two games, I want to know your predicted finish for the standings in this 24-game uh, season of just the Alberta teams. Of which there are five. We can go from uh, north to south. You've got Edmonton, Red Deer, Calgary, and uh, I'm not sure who's further south. Lethbridge or Medicineat. They're sort of equally south, but one uh, straight south of Calgary and uh, Medicineat off to the side a little bit. Uh, but of those five teams, who do you think is going to finish first, second, third, fourth, and fifth? And tell me who you think is going to be the leading scorer when it's all said and done, too, in this 24-game uh, sprint. And will we see any sort of playoffs? I, I have my hunch that we'll, we'll see divisional playoffs, whether, and I, I still expect the BC division will play as well. We know that the Central is starting tonight. The uh, East is starting in a couple of weeks, the U.S. division on March 19th. And I think we'll see the BC division as well. And I think internally we'll see, uh, like in here in Alberta, you got five teams. I would imagine they'll have like a, a four-team playoff or something like that and, and crown a divisional champ. 
And uh, hopefully that happens with the seven teams that are in Saskatchewan slash Manitoba and uh, the teams in the U.S. division and the uh, B.C. division. And then you'd have four teams left over. Uh, to me, that it would be fairly easy to bubble it up and have uh, Eastern and Western Conference playoffs and then eventually crown a WHL champion. To me, that, that doesn't seem like it would be that difficult to do with just four teams. You could do that over two or three weeks. Uh, so that that's my thoughts. Uh, you can let me know if you agree or disagree. You can find me on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy. Uh, the news and notes. I'm going to do this really quick because I really just want to get the show out here at this point. I had to wait really late for the final guests that you're going to hear on the program today. Uh, so really quickly, the, the news and notes. As I mentioned, the WHL returns to play tonight. Uh, just the... Just the teams in Alberta, but you've got Lethbridge and Edmonton meeting, as well as Medicine Hat and Red Deer. Calgary has to wait until next weekend uh, before they can start play. The Oil Kings are playing out of the uh, practice facility at uh, Rogers Place in downtown Edmonton. The uh, The Calgary Hitmen will be playing just outside of town, so not at the Saddle Dome, but they're playing at the First Nations uh, Complex. Just, I believe it's west of Calgary. It's just outside of Calgary. Uh, so should be able to try out the new CHL TV tonight. Uh, I haven't tried it with uh, the, the, the games that have been happening in the queue just yet, so uh, we'll give that an effort and a go. So that's happening uh, here in the NCAA full slate of games as there's just uh, not much left to go in the regular seasons for the respective conferences. But some of the uh, the key matchups tonight, Boston University, who hasn't played much, they're in action. Uh, they're taking on Merrimack. Boston College welcomes Massachusetts. That should be a good tilt. Northern Michigan and Michigan Tech will square off. And uh, Northern Michigan's been uh, a bit hot and cold, but mostly cold in the first half and uh, hot in the second half. Uh, they're closing out their week, their regular season this weekend against Michigan Tech. Western Michigan is hosting Miami. Nebraska-Omaha welcomes North Dakota. Ohio State is on the road in Wisconsin. And Michigan State welcomes Notre Dame. And LIU, this has got to be near the end for them. They're taking on Army and Arizona State. Same thing. Uh, they're playing Michigan this weekend, but they've got to be really close to the end of the season for them. Let me just pull up uh, the respective schedules for both of those teams uh, quickly. In Arizona, Arizona State has Michigan this weekend and Ohio State next weekend, and then they're done. Uh, apparently, they're not going to be involved in the uh, Big Ten playoffs, so this would be it uh, for the Sun Devils, which is, you know, it's a bit sad. I was hoping that the Big Ten to let them play with the teams all season, uh, but not into the playoffs. And uh, we know the LIU Sharks, just a uh, almost a miracle that they were able to pull off any sort of season this year. Brand new program like that, uh, starting right from the ground up. Uh, they finish off their regular season. Their inaugural season ends this weekend in a back-to-back -back, uh, matchup against Army. Uh, they are 4-9 and nine this year, which, listen, if they were 10 years into their program, you'd look at a 4-9 and nine record and say, well, not so good. But keep in mind, this is a brand new team. Uh, I think that's pretty remarkable. Good job uh, for everybody at uh, LIU. Okay, let's just get right to it. Okay, my the four guests you're going to hear from on the, uh, the show this week all join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. And uh, one of the other reasons I'm a little late this week is because I had to unload my uh, shipment from uh, from Troubled Monk. I uh, just got the package in or the delivery in uh, literally about half an hour ago. 
Uh, so kudos to everybody involved with that. I really appreciate that. I, I tweeted out, what's your favorite day of the week? And I said, mine's delivery day. And I took a picture of the uh, the shipment and I put that up on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy. And somebody said, uh, favorite day of the week? Because <laughs> it kind of, it's a lot of, uh, there's a lot. And uh, yeah, no, I would, I probably should have said favorite day of the month uh, or else I, I might have to book into you. Uh, into a clinic or something like that to get my liver checked. Uh, it's, I'm looking forward to trying some of the ones I haven't tried yet, though. I, I, I've got a, a few cans of the lovely bunch of coconuts and the sea serpent. Uh, of course, I always get the juicy gossip. It's uh, one of my favorites. I'm looking at the website right now. Rebels Red is back, everybody. Get the Rebels Red uh, a tribute to the Red Deer Rebels. I love it. I, that might be, it's probably in my top three. Uh, Daycation and uh, Juicy Gossip are probably my top two. Uh, although I like the pesky pig. It's funny how, you know, I'll try one on one day and I'll remember, oh man, this is delicious. And then I'll try a different one. And, uh, you know, a couple days later, it might even be the same one. And I don't like it quite as much as I did the first time. And then I'll have the, you know, you get the taster pack, you get three of each. So it might be a home run the first time. The second time it's like, yeah, it was good. And the third time it's, well, it's a home run again. Uh, it's, it's weird how it goes, but, um, that's what I like about the taster pack is you get, uh, three, cans of four different of their brews with the American, uh, the open road American brown ale and the bucktooth Belgian white and the golden gates and the, the pesky pig. Uh, and so I kind of mix it up, you know, one day I'll have one, the next day I'll have one of the other ones and then I'll have one of the other ones and kind of go back. Uh, it's nice. That's what I love about the, uh, the taster packs, but I'm definitely uh, looking forward to uh, trying some of the ones that I haven't yet. I got a, a couple of the, uh, the sours as well, the Harry Dunn and the, uh, Lloyd Christmas. So I'm going to try those and uh, the grindage. And they even went the distance and they supplied me with uh, the last four cans they had in the building. I had a sticky note uh, on the cans. They said these are the last four in the entire building of the uh, insane in the brain uh, Russian stout, the Russian imperial stout. I love it, man. It's strong, but uh, I love it. I hope they bring it back again. But I got the last four. So <laughs> to you. Uh, just kidding. But anyway. Uh, get your free home delivery, troubledmonk.com slash shop. And when you're uh, filling everything out, make sure you use promo code PIPELINE and you will get that delivery to you absolutely free of charge on the delivery. And it doesn't matter if you're uh, buying a, a single taster pack or you're getting a, a, you know, a two-month supply like I just did. Uh, that delivery will be absolutely free as long as you use the promo code PIPELINE. Now, right now... It's if you live between Calgary and St. Albert and all points in between along Highway 2. So you got Calgary, St. Albert, Sherwood Park's included in that, as well as uh, obviously Red Deer, home of Troubled Bunk. But all the towns in between, so Leduc and Millet and uh, Pinoca and Lacombe, and then you've got Innisfail. Innisfree? Innisfail or Innisfree? Innisfree. And uh, Olds down to Carstairs. So lots of towns in between. I know Sylvan Lake is on their list. In fact, they have a nice uh, trusty list of uh, of places on their website that you can check out as well. Black Falls on that list. Brand new AJHL team starting there next season, the Bulldogs. Oh, it's in his fail, by the way. <laughs> That's a fail on my part. Ooh, bad pun. Penhold on the list. Airdrie, of course. So lots of places that uh, you can get your uh, free home delivery. Make sure you use promo code PIPELINE. All right, my guests that you're going to hear from today, we will start in the NCAA, and uh, one of the top scorers in the entire college loop happens to be Canadian. His name is Joseph Nardi. He is a senior 
playing at Northern Michigan. He's from Edmonton, played in the AJHL with the Whitecourt Wolverines. He is wrapping up his uh, regular season here uh, of his uh, final year of eligibility in the NCAA uh, this weekend. As I mentioned, Northern Michigan taking on Michigan Tech. Uh, Joseph Nardi will lead the show off today. Then we will have back-to-back WHL general managers, Brent Sutter of the Red Deer Rebels and Peter Anholt of the Lethbridge Hurricanes. And we will close things out with a 2021 draft spotlight. One of the uh, key guys from Sweden this year, probable first-round pick. His name is Oscar Olesson. I just spoke with him uh, literally about two hours ago uh, here on Friday. That's the interview I was waiting for to make sure I could include it with this week's episode. So that one is still warm out of the oven, and you'll hear that one today as well. All of that coming up, but uh, we'll start with Joseph Nardi from Northern Michigan. He's first here on the Pipeline Show. Matias Samuelson left point. Gruden around on the right side. 1-0 U18. Stasny walks the line, took the shot right on goal. They score! Farabee put in the rebound. And Farabee... Gives his grandmother a birthday present. It's 2 nothing. Hey, it's Joel Fairby from Team USA, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. He is a midnight mover. He can go on in the sunlight. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a 90% rate. NHLers Kyle Turris Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! And Duncan Keith And future NHLers Tyson Jost and Dante Fabro all took the campus route. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Back on the Pipeline Show. And uh, hey, let's begin this week's episode with an NCAA campus report. Of course, those are always brought to you by College Hockey Inc. If you are a player or there's a player in your family and they're exploring all of their options and you need to know what you can and can't do to maintain your college eligibility, well, College Hockey Inc. is a great resource for that. You can get in touch with uh, Nate Ewell or... Uh, Mike Snee, and they can uh, steer you in the right direction, might answer any of your questions as well. So uh, check out collegehockeyinc.com for that. My next guest is a Canadian down south playing and having a hell of a year for northern Michigan. He is a senior now. Uh, not that long ago, he was uh, in the AJHL with the Whitecourt Wolverines, and he's from our neck of the woods here in Edmonton, Joseph Nardi, senior at northern Michigan. Welcome to the program, Joe. How are you? I'm doing good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. A uh, pleasure to get a chance to speak with you, and uh, yes, you are doing good. What well, heck of a season you're having. At the start of the year, I mean, 27 points in 22 games. Could you have scripted this sort of a season for you with all the chaos that's that's happening in the world right now? Did Could you have foreseen that you would have this good of a year? Yeah, I really, I, I didn't, uh, especially just the way the season came. Um, you know, we weren't playing uh, until November. Uh, so we were just doing small uh, area um, ice sessions with our coach, and we were wearing a mask on the ice, and um, there was just a lot of assistance that we had to go through to to actually finally step on the ice and with all the testing and protocol that they go through. So the the fact that we actually got to play was remarkable, and um, 
obviously I'm just glad that uh, we got we got to start playing and, and I'm doing well. So. Well, and you're doing well in the team. How would you describe the season uh, for the uh, for the club as a whole? I think at the beginning it was a little bit uh, up and down. Um, we have a lot of freshmen that we brought in this year, so um, you know we'd win one, lose one um, type of thing. But um, down the stretch here, we've been stringing together um, some wins and, and some wins against some good teams. So um, I know we swept Bemidji the weekend before, and then uh, took Bowling Green, who, who's a really tough. Uh, competition in our in our uh, division to to shoot out in one um, and then unfortunately lost the other yeah. the other game but um, we've been doing well um, we just kind of trying to find our game now heading into playoffs and feeling good and um, hopefully we can do that yeah the team lost that last game against Bowling Green 6-2 but before that in the in the previous nine games you were 6-2 and 1 so th- that's a pretty strong record yep. uh, especially considering in January for the most part wasn't a great month for you, but it seemed like you were getting hot right at the right time. And as the conference playoffs start coming around, there's got to be an air of confidence for the team right now. Yeah, exactly. And our our coach has been preaching that, you know, we want to be playing our best hockey heading into playoffs. And I think if we can string together the last two games here and everybody feels good about their game, um, you know, it really doesn't matter where you're positioned right now in these playoffs, especially just the way the year is. Um, so as long as we're feeling good about our game and, and um, um, we feel solid about it, I think uh, we'll be able to go pretty far in playoffs. I like the way our team is right now. Well, you're the leading scorer on the team. Uh, I think you're the leading – well, I know Dylan Holloway caught you here recently, but I was going to say you're the, the highest scoring Canadian right now in college hockey. But I, I think he passed you this past weekend. I, I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But overall, when, uh, when I look at the roster and I see, okay, you're the, the top scorer – and there's a pretty good gap between you and the next guy, it's easy to say, all right, I know what your job is on the team, but maybe the stats don't paint the whole picture. What is your role? You're the captain. You're obviously a senior, so a, a seasoned veteran now at this level. How would you describe yourself and, and sort of the way you play the game? So I like to be uh, an all-around player, I'm somebody that's relied upon in all three zones. Um, I think that's something the coach preached uh, when I came here that, especially to play center at the NCAA level. You're leaning on a lot of guys that are older and stronger. Um, so taking that part of game and kind of solidifying it was, for me, um, being a guy that plays power play minutes, PK minutes, um, just trusted in the D zone in the last two minutes. So that's something that I pride myself on, and I believe that you know if you take care of your own end, um, the opportunities come in the offensive zone, and that's just been the tail of the tape this year. Um, I've been really trying to, you know, be on the better end of the puck and, uh, and you know, create opportunities for my line mates and myself. How would you say you've uh, evolved as a player in your four years there at Northern Michigan? I think just being in positions that, you know, the coach can trust you in, um, especially the last, you know, two minutes of the game. Um, for my freshman and sophomore year, I was looking up to guys on our team that, you know, played those kind of minutes and, Mm-hmm. Um, I've had talks with my coach that, you know, I want to be in that position when I'm a junior and I'm a senior. And uh, so that's something I take a lot of pride in, especially being a centerman, um, winning important draws. Um, you know, it's a tough position to play, but um, it's very rewarding, um, especially, you know, if you can be the guy that's kind of leading the breakout and, and, and creating chances in the offensive zone. So Now, I know there was a coaching change at Northern Michigan um fairly recently but grant patoni is the coach now i see his record it says four years has he been the head coach all four years that you've been there yeah so it's kind of a funny story i i got recruited by walt kyle right Um, he was the coach the year before um 
and that summer um obviously he wasn't the coach anymore so mm-hmm. there's like a little area in between there where you could go because I was technically a free agent I guess you could go to any other team um and that's when Grant called me kind of told me about himself and I looked up his resume and I mean the guy just breathed winning one two national championships scored the overtime winner so um that really stood out to me and and I'm so glad that I I chose to stay at Northern because um he's a hell of a coach and just lets us play offense and and he's so detailed and and he's young too so that always helps Nice, uh, and it's worked out really well, obviously. Uh, Joseph Nardi from uh, Northern Michigan is my guest here on the Pipeline Show in the NCAA Campus Report segment. Uh, Joe, let's go back a bit, though, and reflect on uh, how you got to where you are. You're a, you're an Edmonton kid, played at KSC, uh, I believe, Knights of Columbus uh, in Edmonton, and uh, from there you go to Whitecourt for three years in the AJHL with the Wolverines. Uh, how did that experience in the AJ get you prepared for college? Being in the AJ and especially White Corps was was great for my for my experience and just uh, to allow me to understand what it takes to get to the next level. Um, you know, I I was in a position there that um, I could work my way up the lineup and and I got myself into a top six role where I felt confident about my game and and um, I was coached under um, Joey Bouchard for the first two years mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, Gore Thibodeau for my last year. Um, so uh, I learned a lot from both coaches and, and especially from Gord, um, you know, he emphasized, you know, if you want to be able to play at the next level, you're going to have to be good in your own end. And that's something that I, that really stuck with me and um, that I wanted to pride myself on. So I had three great years in there. We made it to the conference. Yeah. We made it to the finals actually my last year, played a, a stacked Brooks team. Um, Kale McCarr was there, was there, uh, best player so that just kind of tells you everything there but yeah. um it was a great experience and and i'm glad that uh i got the opportunity to play in white court and gord that last year with uh, gord thibodeau i mean he's such an established coach in the ajhl i mean he's he's one of the the all-time greats in this league uh having hit that sort of experience in your final year i imagine that was a good fit it really was um he's uh he's hard on his players but at the end of the day he wants them to succeed and um I think that just built me for, for the NCAA level. Like I said, um, he really emphasized being good in my own end. Um, you know, you can't be a one-dimensional player, and that's something that he wanted to establish quick with me. And um, So that's something I took pride in. I took it into my freshman year, and it allowed me to play the center position where, you know, I was talking to Grant, and, you know, that's something, as a freshman, he's not the most comfortable putting a guy in the center position because it is so hard. Um but I got to learn the ropes kind of the first couple of years, and, and that uh, allowed me to, to have success in my junior and senior year. I had a question submitted to me from uh, somebody, uh, a listener, A. Peard, who wants to know, uh, ask him what it was like in White Court uh, being the captain of the Wolverines and trying to keep a guy like Morgan Messenger in line. <laughs> Morgan Messenger, yeah. Um, that's a good uh East, get out East boy there. Um, he was, uh, he was a lot to handle. I mean, uh, he's a funny kid. He always got, uh, a lot of jokes and a lot of laughs in the locker room. So, um, definitely miss him. And, uh, I've been in contact with him, uh, never so often. So yeah, I miss that guy for sure. Lots of talent on that team that, uh, that final year when he got to the finals overcame yeah. the, uh, the play by play guy. The broadcaster there was terrible. Uh, Andrew Peard is a, he's a friend of mine. He's the joker who submitted yeah. the question for you there. So uh, yeah. we know all about that. Uh, anyway, tell us what, what led you initially 
to uh, Northern Michigan from Edmonton because, you know, the, the draw for most guys who grew up in Western Canada is the Western Hockey League. But uh, at what point did you know that going to college were, were, was the right fit for you? Yeah, I think um, I think when I was 14 or 15, I went to Prince George's um, spring camp, I guess. Um, and I just noticed from that, that point on that the WHL wasn't the route for me. But to be honest, I didn't really know too much about the NCAA or or what they have to offer and um playing my first year in white court i was approached by by northern michigan they were probably one of the first people to talk to me um and uh rob layton and the assistant coach uh kept in contact with me for several months and um flew down there a couple times and, and just fell in love with the campus and, and just the community um and i thought that it was the right spot for me um you know i wasn't really highly touted i guess coming out of junior so the big schools weren't on the radar and I felt that this was a great opportunity for me to not only get an education, but to succeed in hockey and um, Northern was that fit for me. Well, and I know you had some other opportunities along the way. You, you, you did spend three years in the AJHL, all of them in white court, but uh, the Bloomington Thunder out of the USHL, uh, they drafted you along the way as well. And uh, clearly they wanted you badly. 23rd round in their draft. <laughs> Three hundred 371st overall. Uh, that's got to be flattering. Uh, yeah. Did you ever consider the USHL, like leaving the AJ to go there before you, you went to uh, Northern Michigan? Um, so it was probably going into my last year, um, and I had some talks with the current coaches um, at Northern at the time, so Walt and, and Rob. Um, and they were, you know, they didn't pressure me to go to the USHL, but they did say it would be a good opportunity because, that probably is the closest, you know, re- replication, I guess, to, to NCAA hockey. Um, but I talked with my parents and I just felt that, you know, I started something in white court and um, wanted to finish it. And, you know, I had good, op- good opportunity, you know, being the C um, and represent white court. So I felt it was my best interest to stay. And uh, and in the end, I'm glad that I did that. Uh, tell me about Marquette, Michigan. I, I, I've never been to the area, but looking at it on a map, it's way northern Michigan. I, I almost get the sense might be some similarities in some regards to Whitecourt. Yeah, a little bit. Um, it's in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, um, surrounded by Lake Superior. Uh, it's about 20,000 people live here. Um, it's a college town, so um, you know they're very passionate about their their sports here, and in, in particular hockey. Um, it's just a great place. I mean, the summers are beautiful here with the beaches, um, great weather. Um, there's a, lo- a ton of stuff to do. Uh, winters are a little cold, a lot of snow. Um, like white court. Something that I'm used to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, something that I'm used to, especially coming from Alberta. So um wasn't too um, hard of a transition. And, um, yeah, I fell in love with the uh, the community, and, and it's just a, it's a great place to live. Well, Joe, when you're uh, one of the leading scorers in, in college hockey in a season like this and you are a senior, that usually opens up doors uh, to what comes next. Uh, any idea, you know, three months from now, two months from now, I guess, uh, what the, the next stage is or next step is for you? Yeah, it's it's such a such a weird year, um, especially with all the leagues starting a little later than usual and the AHL just starting up. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it is a, it's, it's a really weird year and uh, – that's that's something that I brought in, you know, to me at the beginning of the year was that, you know, nothing is guaranteed. So, um, you know, we we started playing games and I was happy with that. And I kind of take it day by day by day. And uh, I'm not too really sure what uh, the future is going to hold here. But, you know, my hope is to play professional hockey um, wherever that may be. Um, 
but at the end of the day, you have to take um, ownership on the ice, and, and hopefully those doors open for me. Excellent stuff. Joe, I really appreciate your time, man. Uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, continued success for the rest of this year with Northern Michigan, and uh, I'm sure something good happens for you after the season. Awesome. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. That was cool. I always listen to you guys. My my dad listens to you guys all the time. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks. Catherine yeah. mentioned that. I wasn't sure if, you know, sometimes I'm told that and it doesn't act, it's not actually true, but um, that's cool that you've actually, you're familiar with the show. Yeah, well, yeah. I was like, yeah, dad, pipeline show. He's like, no way. I was like, yeah. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> so, awesome. He's pretty, pretty pumped. So yeah, I appreciate it. Joe Nardi from Northern Michigan. Uh, the Wildcats are taking on the Michigan Tech Huskies uh, tonight, Battle of Cats and Dogs. And uh, that actually that game actually starts here in about an hour from the time I'm speaking with you right this second. It is 4.06 p.m. Mountain Time, as if uh, that matters at this point, wherever you're and whenever you're listening to uh, this week's episode of the Pipeline Show from. But I really appreciate uh, Joe making the time for the Pipeline Show and have to think a guy like that who's having such a strong year is going to be getting pro options and, uh, you know, the college season, he's, he's got like two months of college eligibility left. Um, let's assume there is a national tournament and a Frozen Four and all of that. I mean, all of those things usually wrap up uh, the about the second weekend of April. And then the NHL season, the American Hockey League season, all of those things still going. In fact, compared to most seasons, I have a lot more time in the AHL's regular season for guys. Uh, the ECHL a little different this year because I know a number of teams didn't uh, start play at all. But I would have to think a guy like Joe Nardi will be on the uh, the hit list for a lot of teams who are looking to uh, grab some NCAA free agents. Uh, up next, let's get to the back-to-back segments with WHL GMs. We'll start with Brent Sutter, and after that, it will be Peter Anholt. Uh, Brent Sutter, the Red Deer Rebels, he's up next here on the Pipeline Show. Hey, this is Ben King of the Red Deer Rebels. Puts it on goal, scores! Ben King tipped it home, and the Rebels win it 4-3 in overtime. And you're listening to The Pipeline Show. When the night has come And the land is dark And the moon is the only light we'll see Troubled Monk Brew of the Week is the one that started it all. Tell us more about this classic, bud. Golden Gates Golden Ale. An easy-drinking golden ale that you can use as your gateway to craft beer. This beer highlights the best malt in the world, grown right here in our backyard. Player comparable, Nathan McKinnon. Underrated, yet awesome, every time out. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk craft beverages worth sharing you're listening to the pipeline show with gee flaming you want to go do karate in the garage yup it's the pipeline show with gee flaming and we're going to uh, look ahead to the coming whl season the 24 game season that the league put together it starts in alberta this weekend, we've got uh, the uh, teams in Saskatchewan and Manitoba starting on March 12th, the U.S. Division on March 19th, and fingers crossed we hear something about the B.C. Division here uh, before it's all said and done, hopefully sometime this week. But the Red Deer Rebels are uh, back on the ice on Friday, taking on the Medicine Hat Tigers in a uh, home-and-home series 
this weekend, and that's the way things are going to work. Uh, home and home series for the uh, next 24 weeks, although there's five teams in Alberta, so one's going to sit out every every week. Uh, but let's get down to Red Deer and uh, check in on the Rebels. That means Brent Sutter. Welcome back to the Pipeline Show, Brent. How are things? Things are well, thanks, Key. How are you doing? Not doing too bad, although for you and the, and the guys on the team, I understand the guys are living at the rink, so this is going to be uh, the last, probably what the last couple of weeks have been like. You know what? Um, have been actually really, uh, really good. Um, it's been uh, a pretty, pretty neat experience for the players uh, uh, to be in the environment they're in here, um, to do, uh, to be able to live right in the, right in the suites. Uh, one player per suite. We use 28 of 31 suites in the building with, uh, with the blessings of the suite holders. Um, so it's been. It's been unbelievable, to be honest, the way it's worked out. Uh, we know the kids are, you know, when we're in a this environment and close like this, we're we're, uh, you know, we're not uh, uh, worried about possible exposure on the outside mm-hmm. at this point in time. So, you know, hopefully, with this thing can continue to move on in the right direction. And uh, um, I guess at the end of the day, it's uh, it's maybe a once in a lifetime experience for the players and for us all for going through this. And, um, and hopefully we all get through it soon and, uh, you know, and we get into next year whenever it comes and we're back to maybe at some point getting a somewhat normalcy in everybody's lives, uh, in this, in this whole world. So, um, you know, got some time still to get through all that, but, uh, at this point in time, this is what we're, this is what, is handed us this is the best way to do it for our league uh with the blessings of the six jurisdictions and their health ministers and the provincial governments and the state governments and uh so we're uh we're moving on here but there's obviously heavy protocols in place that we all have to do and we got to make sure we're doing them and it's no different with us being in here living right here in the centrum um there's you know strict protocols in place here too Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it's been good, but the kids have been awesome. The kids have been fantastic through it all. This is a, it's an interesting idea that to live right at the rink, and I, I've talked to a few of the other GMs now, and as far as I know, the Rebels are the only team that have, have gone to that yeah. step uh, so far. Whose idea was that? Did you come up with that? You know what? We got approached by, uh, we got approached by her name is Abby Wall, and she's been working with Western Park here uh, that have the grounds here, the centrium's on, and um, she approached us and just asked us if it's something that we may would want to consider. And, uh, we said, well, let's, you know, let's give it some thought. So we, you know, give it some thought. We discussed it internally amongst, uh, our organization and, uh, and then we, uh, we approached the city on it. The city thought it'd be a great idea. Uh, we communicated with all the suite holders, uh, and they thought it'd be an awesome thing to do too. And, uh, and, we moved forward with it. And there was a lot of work to put it all together to get beds in, couches, everything to make it like a home for the kids here, just a, mm. like a big, big palace for them. So with a sheet of, with a sheet of ice sitting in the middle of it. Yeah. So it's uh, it's been a pretty cool experience for everyone. Um, you know, we're learning as we go here too. But the kids have been phenomenal. Have been outstanding. Uh, uh, like I said earlier, there's a lot of protocols in place here too, and uh, that we have to make sure that we're doing and make sure we're doing through game nights and everything like that in a little different situation and 
how we have to set it up in our building because we got our kids living right in the suites. So, um, but everything has been, a, you know, we do things right. Everything's approved and uh, we're moving forward with it, you know, and the kids have been, been awesome. Uh, like I said, and you know, the reality of it all is, is that, uh, um, you know, of all the, all the teams in the world and sports in the world, um, these 26 players are doing something that no one else in the world's doing right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's something that's a memory they'll have for the rest of their lives. And we got to make it, you know, to be the best it can be. Uh, absolutely. It's going to be something they, they all remember. Uh, it's going to be a bonding thing as well. And, you know, when it comes to team bonding events, this is a pretty cool way to do it. Where's the GM and the head coach sleeping? Are you sleeping in your office? Well, you know the way the way we're uh, the staff handling it. We got two staff staying with the players every night, um, so rotating in in and out, uh, doing two or three nights. But our protocols, what uh, like for myself here, it's basically here at the rink or at back to the farm. Uh, we're under strict protocols too. Uh, no mm-hmm. different if our played kids were in billets or whatever. Um, we're uh, we're under the same type of protocols as everybody else. So, um, and what we all need to do and have to do, right? So, yeah. and there's testing done every Wednesday. Um, we get testing done every Wednesday. Um, temperature checking every day. Uh, there's things that uh, that we just all have to do that we're doing, and uh, hopefully we can keep it a safe and healthy environment. Brett, how challenging has the last 11 months been for you on a on a personal level or on a professional level with the team and, and trying to keep the players engaged and motivated when, and I've used the analogy, it was like, and you're old enough to know this analogy, but like Charlie Brown trying to kick the football and Lucy keeps pulling it away. We had the start date for the season set and then they got yanked back and pushed back and then it got set again and pushed back and everything's delayed. Yeah. Meanwhile, the kids are trying to get ready for those starts. Uh, and then it's it's got to be really disappointing and, and maybe demoralizing to some extent. So how how tough has that been in your role to keep the players ready? Well, you know we've 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 kept the players totally updated through this whole thing, right? And it's been almost a year of it. And uh, from when they when we last played our last game, I believe it was March 11th, so of uh, you know of, of last spring. So. Mm. Um, it's been a long haul, no question. It's been uh, tough on everybody, as it is with everybody in the world, right? So we're no different than everybody else out there, and it's a mentally challenged thing. Uh, we we you know we kept the players totally updated. We had uh, um, weekly Zoom calls for uh, different things that we did with them, um, uh, and then we had uh, things that we did would do with them once a month that. Sean, Sean, my nephew, who's uh, my assistant GM, he had set up like whether it was, uh, you know, a head scout, director, of player personnel uh, doing a Zoom call from the NHL, or whether it was a, a scout from that scouts from the NHL, or whether it was a police officer, whether it was uh, someone from the army, or we just had different things set up every month to to keep the kids. Uh, you know, active and engaged, and keep them mentally where they need, you know, hopefully where they they could be. And uh, we did try to do the best we could. And um, and that's a big thing why we're doing this here now is the fact that I just felt mentally for the players that if we had this opportunity to do it here, it would be the best thing for them where they could, they could be with each other and be around each other and 
you know, just not being just at the rink or at their billets house, which they would have to do if they were staying at billets. So, um, you know, and, and this was just an option that was, we had here. And I just thought with all the options, it was the best one mentally too, for the kids. And, uh, um, but you know, it's been, has been, I'm not going to sit here and sit here and say, Oh yeah, well, we just, we, you know, it was, you know, we got through this and everything's great. We, it has been a long haul and, uh, both on the, both the personal and professional, professional side of it, uh, just working with the league, um, with all the different jurisdictions in our, in our, in Western, the Western hockey, there's six of them, right? With the four provinces in the two States. And, you know, and you have to, you have to listen to your health officials, right? And you have to listen to what your governments are telling you. And, uh, but they've been awesome to work with. Um, but it has been a truly a roller coaster through it all. Um, you know, some days you're, you're, you think you're getting close. And then the next day you feel like you're hundreds of miles away from getting back to playing. So yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's just, it's what this, it's what COVID has done. Right. And, uh, uh but, you know, we had time and when you have time, you use it to your advantage. And, uh, we knew this was going to be a, the end of the day was going to be a long haul and it was a process and, you know, and I'm sure everyone's grateful to get back to doing what we're doing. Um, because the other alternative wasn't what we're doing, obviously. And, uh, it was pretty bleak to be honest. So we're glad we're at, we're to this point and, um, and again, there's so many people to thank for all of it and, uh, and all the hard work that a lot of, a lot of different people have done through this to get us here. So I've been part of that and I know what it feels like. Um, and, uh, but you know, at the end of the day, um, we're here and let's try to make the best out of the situation we're in. Uh, when the 24 game schedule was announced, I know there were some people social media wise or whatever, I, I'd say they were critical of, it's 24 games. Why even bother? You know, there's obviously there is some level of risk uh, in getting uh, everybody back together again, um, and maybe it's not worth it. You're an owner of the team. Financially, I, I don't imagine you're making a whole lot of money by doing this because you can't sell any tickets or anything. To answer the question, then why? Why bother with the 24 games? And I know it's about the players at this point, so maybe put it into perspective for for somebody who was asking that question. Why is it worth it? You just said it. It is about the players. It's about development of these young men. Uh, this, these are these are young people that are trying to forge a career out of this game. And uh, and as an owner, I always felt right from the first day that it's our responsibility to do everything we possibly can to get back to play whenever that was uh whenever that was feasible and uh, uh no matter what the costs were and um you know and i just felt for our young you know these young men that we needed to do the right thing for them and uh and yet we had to listen to you know what our health officials and governments were telling us and follow their lead on it and they've been all outstanding and uh we uh we did that and you know these players uh you know they have 24 games but it's it's just not about the games it's about the development between the games um you know we're in this now for 3 months uh or more um and uh uh these kids are on the ice daily now um you know the 
the, there's an NHL draft coming up here in the next next for next year and uh, coming into next season, and uh, we you know these kids need to be ready for that. Uh, kids are trying to get professional contracts. Uh, just everything about it. It's it's about your players and um, and giving them an opportunity to maybe maybe to, to be able to fulfill their dreams and to have a year away from it. It could have hurt a lot of them and. Um, you know, a year and a half. So we're very thankful and grateful. We're at this point um, to help the kids out, just not on the sense of being hockey players, but to help them out mentally too. And uh, yeah, to me, that that's as big of a factor as anything else. So, um, you know, we, we're, we're here. Uh, it has been about, like I said, it's been about doing whatever we could to get back to playing at the appropriate time. Um, but no one really knew when this first started. You know, there was always speculation. Well, we think we can get going by then, by then, by then. But it, it was—it's been a process, and uh, we listened to the right people. We did what they recommended. Uh, we worked on protocols together, and here we are today. And uh, uh, you know, let's just try to make the best of what we have, and to give these kids every opportunity to do something they love doing. And from an owner's perspective, that was my responsibility right from the start to to make sure that uh, I I didn't waver from that. And even though there was tough days with it, um, you just you know get through those days and you keep your mind in the right place and uh, keep your focus where it needs to be. And hopefully you get to this day and we're here now. Uh, you know, and it has been no easy. There's been nothing easy about this. It's been hard, but we're we're excited about the opportunity now and let's just all enjoy it and be grateful for it. Well, 24 game season starts on Friday. We don't know anything about uh, playoffs at this point. Uh, assume, let's no. just assume for a second that there won't be playoffs and we're, we just have the 24 yeah. games. That would mean standings don't really matter if there's no playoffs. So maybe wins and losses don't really matter. Is it all about development or, or, or how would you, what would be a successful season uh, for the Red Deer Rebels, in your estimation, if playoffs uh, don't happen. Okay, that's okay. These kids, when they get to this level, and uh, everybody else at the, is this level, when puck drops, there's a huge level of competitiveness. Yeah. And so these kids are going to play for keeps too. Uh, you know, there's obviously the development is a big part of it, but uh, kids are going to be playing to want to win games, and uh, we're going to have division champions um you know when it's all said and done whether we whether we have a playoff or yet no one really knows that right we're just we're taking it week to week here uh right now we're set up for 20 24 uh 24 games in our division that would take us through 15 weekends and let's see uh let's see where it takes us uh down the road can things change perhaps a month from now or wherever it may be uh, it could change, but at this point in time, this is what we're focused in on is this opening weekend, and we'll worry about next week and the weekend when it comes. But through the whole thing, it's a process of, of you know, all the amount of practices that we have with the players to help them continue to develop and get better, uh, improve, uh, and then they get to play these games on weekends, which every player wants to play games. Every coach wants to coach in games. Uh, you know, everyone wants to see games, wants to see scores in games, wants to, you know, with live streaming, anybody can watch these games. Uh, uh, I, I truly believe that we're going to have some intense hockey here. 
Uh, when you've been out of the way from the game for so long, you're going to get jacked to play. And uh, I can just tell you from our from our practices that we've had leading up to this in the last uh, 12 days or so, uh, the practices have been really high tempo and very intense practices for the most part. And the kids are the kids are excited about it. Um, I know they're waiting for puck drop for Friday night. I know they want to get going. It's like a new season for them. It might be a shortened season, but uh, at the same time, you know, they're no different than than everybody else. They want to make the most of their opportunity. And, uh, and you know, and I, so I, I do, I truly do believe the games are going to be, are going to be, uh, you know, jacked up here. And uh, even with no fans in the buildings, but um, the kids are still going to be excited to play. Well, I've kept you a while, but I, I got to ask you a little bit about the team. Uh, this year's uh, uh, overage players, Josh Tarswell, Chris Douglas, and Ethan Anders, uh, are your three twenty-year-olds? You guys, you have players on the roster who were born in two thousand and four, uh, a couple, uh, which means I'm getting really old. Uh, I'm feeling really old <laughs> when I look at these rosters now. Uh, yeah. Tell me, tell me about your team. I mean, it looks like a young team, but especially on the blue line. I mean, you don't have any nineteen or twenty-year-olds on the blue line. You know, we have a lot of returning players. We were an extremely young team last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had a lot of 16, 17 year olds on our team last year. So now they're, you know, now they're, uh, now they're the 17, 18 year olds on our team, right? So we're an extremely young team. We do have three 20 year olds. Uh, we've got a couple 19 year olds. Uh, uh, but, you know, we're still a young team, but we've been a, you know, we've gone through a whole year together of playing. The 19 and 20 season out like we did, and uh, and we learned a lot through that, and now we just got to carry on with that, and uh, and you can really notice it with the kids; they're bigger, stronger, quicker, um, just better at everything they're doing. And then we got some really good 16 and a couple 17 year olds. We got four 16 year olds here, and uh, we got our first pick, our 15 year old pick, Kalen Len from uh, from just outside Swift Current. He's here with us. Uh, and uh, I mean, these are top players, and they're good hockey players. And and then we got a couple seventeen-year-olds that we knew were going to be on our team this, this past season. So, um, so we're excited about our group. We have twenty-six players here. Um, you know, they're they're young, but they're they're good players. Their enthusiasm is huge. Um, they're at, you know a pretty big-sized team too, but they're you know they're they're. They're very committed, and um, and our job as coaches and management and organizations to provide them everything that they we can to help them grow and continue to grow. And um, you know, this is this is like phase two of a, of a phase three program that we had. We were thinking with this group of players, so we're in the second year of it now. So you're hoping that we can uh, be a better team than we were last year. I truly believe we will be, and uh, we can take the steps to uh, do what we need to do to continue to get better. Well, there are a number of uh, former Rebels who have gone on and, and had NHL success. Brandon Hagel scores his first NHL goal, I believe, just yesterday, as a matter of fact. And, yeah, yeah. And uh, a little different feel around the rink, I'm sure, is uh, Cam Moon is now in the NHL as well. Uh, <laughs> thoughts on Mooner getting up to the next level? You know what? It's it's uh, it's awesome. Uh, I couldn't be happier for Mooner. You couldn't be happier for, happier for a nicer guy. I mean, he had the Rebels tattooed to his behind here for, you know, for 20 some years, and uh, and I miss Mooner. He was uh, he was really uh, just not a great employee employee, but he was uh, he was just a very 
um, honest, someone you can trust, tremendous, loyal person that um, that did a great job of what he was doing. He was someone that, I, that him and I had a lot of talks after games about it, about the team, about how we played, about players. Uh, um, you know, I'm going to miss him, but I know he's he's doing something that, you know, it's been a dream of his, right? And to be able to do it in his hometown, being able to be the broadcaster of his favorite hockey team, his favorite NHL team, I just think it's absolutely awesome and uh, it's pretty cool. Um, but we are going to miss him here. It's, he's going to be a hard person to replace. Uh, he's, you know, just not only a, a great, um, you know, radio broadcaster, but he's, you know, there's so many other things that Mooner was so good at. And, and number one, he's just a tremendous person. So uh, we're going to miss him, but I know that he's, uh, he's fulfilling his dream now and it's fantastic. And I wish him nothing but all the, you know, just nothing but all the best and success. Um, and at some point we will we will find a replacement here that hopefully can check off as many of those boxes that uh, Mooner could check off. But we'll just time will tell with that. But we'll worry about that in the summer. Um, we got someone that's going to cover Mooner's situation right now for these 24 games and uh, who's worked side by side with Mooner for the last yeah. uh, quite a few years. So um, we'll we'll get through it. But Mooner is someone that. Uh, you know, he's just a top-notch guy, and you can wish nothing but the best for him. Well said, Brent. I really appreciate your time. Uh, looking forward to the start of the WHL season here on Friday. Thank you very much for this, uh, Brent. Uh, best of luck this year. Yep, thanks, bud. Appreciate it. Always great to have Brent Sutter, the owner, GM, head coach, and uh, head usher at the Centrium for the Rebels games. Uh, always a treat when he's on the program. The Rebels kick things off here in a couple of hours from now uh, against the Medicine Hat Tigers, and those two teams will play again tomorrow on Saturday down in Medicine Hat, and that game marks 4,000 for the uh, forever voice of the Medicine Hat Tigers. Of course, that is the legendary Bob Ridley. Kind of robbed of uh, that experience last year. The season was canceled right before he got the call on Game 4000. This year, obviously, it's going to be different. It's the home opener for Medicine Hat. Great that it's in the home building. No fans, though. Uh, that is that's a shame. But uh, congratulations, Rids, on uh, Game 4000. That in about uh, 27 hours from now. Fantastic, amazing accomplishment. Up next here on the Pipeline Show, we're going to look at the Lethbridge Hurricanes. We've uh, profiled Medicine Hat and Edmonton and Calgary and now Red Deer. Let's get to Lethbridge next with the GM, Peter Anholt, here on the Pipeline Show. Hankwitz wants the one-timer. Bellary lets it go. He scores! (laughs) An unbelievable shot by Jordy Bellary. He's up the schneid. It's 2-0. Hey, this is Jordy Beller from the Lethbridge Hurricanes. You're listening to the Pipeline Show. Spruce Grove St. AJHL Hockey is back for the 2020-2021 season. 
Due to the ongoing pandemic, the attendance is limited at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. You can follow along across social media at SG Saints and support the Saints by heading to sprucegrovesaints.ca and purchasing your Cash is King tickets today. Over $33,000 in prizes to be given away. Again, head to sprucegrovesaints.ca for more information. The Spruce Grove Saints, proud supporters of the Pipeline Show. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. And boom goes the dynamite. Back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Let's continue looking ahead at the upcoming uh, WHL season, which again starts on Friday. Uh, the Lethbridge Hurricanes and the Edmonton Oil Kings will meet, as well as the Red Deer Rebels, Medicine Hat Tigers. Everybody's playing home-at-home home, uh, season uh, on the weekend series uh, for the uh, entire 24-game season. Uh, my next guest... That's his team, uh, the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Peter Anholt, welcome back to the program. How are you? Really good, Guy, and uh, thanks for having me. appreciate having me on. Of course. Uh, always a, a treat when you're on the show, when you uh, deem to make time for uh, the, the lowly pipeline show. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we were just chatting briefly before we started. You're saying the last time you've seen your team on the ice, and that'll change on Friday, but 342 days, is that right? Yeah, I think that's what it worked out to. Uh, I, from the time that uh, we we played in Kelowna, I think it was March 7th, until uh, the time our team was on the ice practicing, uh, February uh, 12th, I guess it is. So I, I think that's what it worked out to be, but uh, give or take, regardless, Keith, it was a long time yeah. and too long. And uh you know, gee whiz, I, I give our players so much credit for, you know, uh, you know, the commitment to our league and, you know, and, uh, being patient and yet understanding what we were at and, and the, and the other people that stand out for me are the ownership around our league, uh, to, to step up and doing what they're doing. Uh, for our players, uh, says a lot about, uh, about our commitment to our players. Well, and right now, and I just got off the phone with Brent Sutter a few minutes ago, but, you know, for an ownership, and the the Hurricanes are community-owned, uh, but still every dollar counts. Right now, you can't be making a whole lot of money because you can't sell tickets to the fans, uh, nobody uh, coming to the rink at this point. Uh, so, really, this year is, is all about the players, isn't it? It's 100% about the players. It's... Uh... You know, it, and I've said that to our team is that, uh, you know, this was all about for you guys and, and, uh, you know, us finding a way to give you some time to develop and, and, uh, and for our coaches to, to get their hands on you again and, and, and get working with you again. So there's no revenue, uh, per se. Uh, we're lucky here in Lethbridge, uh, being a community owned team, the, the community have stepped up pretty good. There's been lots of, uh, donations. There's, uh, guys of people and, and, uh, corporate support, uh, jumping on board as far as, uh, advertising in spite of it only being on, on TV or web TV. So, you know, it's it's an interesting scenario that we're in, but but ultimately we're going to show a, a huge loss this year, uh, and and you know we've been fortunate over the last number of years to have some pretty good years, so we're lucky to be able to come through it okay. 
Peter, uh, what's the the situation when it comes to billets uh, for your players? I know the the Rebels, as I mentioned, they're living at their rink. As far as I know, they're the only team going to you know that extreme. Um, are you guys still doing billet families and things? Or are you hoteling it? Uh, what what's your strategy right now? We're we're really lucky. There was a, a brand new college facility that was built uh, just east of uh, of the Enmax Center here, and and it's brand new. Uh, so the, the contractor, uh, the owner didn't have anybody in there basically. Uh, there's, there's a few people in there, but for the most part it, it was standing empty and, and, uh, it's a half a block away. And so we put our guys in there. Uh, that's uh, worked out really, really well. We got a couple staff members in there with them and, and, uh, they walk over in the morning and, and uh, have breakfast, then we get ready for on ice, uh, both uh, practicing and skill development and, and off-ice training, and then we have school in the afternoon for the guys that are in school. So it's it's worked out really, really well, Guy, and, and uh, you know, again, uh, another example where the community stepped up, this this owner of this building, he, he really did a nice job for us to, to, to let us in there, but, uh, you know, at a cut rate, certainly. Well, that's fantastic, for sure. When you look back at the last 11 months, as the GM of the team, uh, and I've used the analogy of Charlie Brown trying to kick the football and Lucy keeps pulling it away, when the start of the season was set and then pushed back and then set and pushed back again and again, how hard is that as the GM to try to keep the players in a positive state of mind as they're trying to prepare for each one of those starts of the season only to have that football pulled away? Yeah, what a great question. I, I You know, it, it, it was frustrating, but, I mean, ultimately, in reality, Guy, it was totally out of every one of our control. So, you know, we... We understood that the players understood that um, you know it was it was going to be decided at a at a, a different pay level than I have anyways and and so it, you know you know that you understand that and and again you know giving credit where credit's due the the our league office uh, led by Ron Robinson has done you know just a fabulous job of of pushing and pushing the envelope to to uh find a way for us to play and uh and working with the health authorities on that Greg Gardner from the league office certainly deserves a lot of credit along with Rick Dirksen but you know it, it's it's quite a thing uh you know of what we've gone through and and but but you know what after watching our team on the ice ski really interesting i the guys came in just as excited as can be and and you know they're they seem older bigger stronger more mature you know and and uh, so it's a it's a interesting phenomena i've not seen them for so long i almost needed a program to figure <laughs> out who was on the ice but but you know we're lucky and i we we got a lot of returning players from last year so we were young last year so a little bit easier job for the coaches when when you have a lot of returning players three of the four jurisdictions uh, in the WHL have uh, announced the return uh, here in Alberta this friday uh, manitoba saskatchewan they're going to bubble it up uh, or 
have the Hub City format in Regina starting on the 12th. Portland's moved up to Washington for this uh, 24-game season. They start on the 19th. Hopefully we hear something uh, really soon about uh, the BC division, but uh, each each of the divisions seems to have a, a slightly different format. Nobody has to, uh, well, nobody has to relocate to Alberta, put it that way, uh, here. But uh, was the, the bubble a format ever talked about or discussed uh, in Alberta instead of playing home-and-home home series each weekend? You know what? Uh, not really, Guy. It was... Uh we there were a couple centers that did some preliminary work on it uh to to possibly create a hub situation uh but really we never got to that point or had to go get too deep into it because it was it was decided that we could do uh what we are doing and and you know for me i i like this situation i i think there's a real good chance we're going to go to 3 and 3s eventually mm-hmm. to shorten the season up but uh you know what uh, however that works or when that'll be announced but i but you know i i like this situation it certainly uh it might stretch things out a little bit but uh you know it uh, and 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 also with our division we're going to have two teams that aren't going to really be playing in their own rank yeah. uh you know with Calgary and Edmonton so a little bit of a challenge there for both those two teams uh, but really, I, I think it's nice that we can play out of our home ranks and and uh, have the guys drive in and and they're all just home and homes and they're all there's zero overnight stays, so you know that keeps things pretty simple for us and keeps our costs down, which for us, Guy, right now keeping costs down is is uh, paramount. Long travel days, though. Yeah, you know what? Uh, not, I mean. It is what it is. We we've driven up to Edmonton on the day of the game uh, as much as we ha- have gone in the night before, and you know, I mean, gee whiz, when I was in Prince Albert, we'd go to Brandon and come back out that same night. So I, it is what it is. I think the 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 travel from Medicine Hat to Edmonton might be the most, but ours is, would be the next with that. But really, you know, the travel isn't that bad, really. All right. Uh, at this point, we don't know anything about playoffs, correct? Yeah, that hasn't been decided yet. Uh, you know, we, we, we're certainly hoping to at least play a divisional championship at the very least. Uh, uh, again, that'll be decided at, at a different level than I'm at. And, uh, you know, whether there's going to be anything after the divisional titles have been, have been handed out, uh, we'll see, I guess. But, but uh, right now, it'll we'll be playing for, you know, a divisional title at some point. It's just the whether, you know, what that structure will look like. It's it's still unsure. Well, and maybe this year, maybe the standings don't really matter as much, and the wins and losses don't matter as much. What what would you consider to be a <laughs> successful season for for the Hurricanes? Hey, uh, you know the you know the level of competitiveness in in the hockey people better than yeah. anybody. I, I the puck goes down, everybody's playing to win. Yeah. I, I I don't buy it that it's uh, that it's not worth anything or or it's it's not worth as much because I'll guarantee you the players are going to be playing to win. Our coaches are going to be coaching to win. Uh, there might not be any trades or anything so that, you know, hey, the cards will be dealt and, and let's go. But I, 
I'll tell you what, whenever the Lethbridge Hurricanes and the Medicine Hat Tigers play, I guarantee you that that uh, there's the competitive juices run. Uh, uh, so, you know, uh, they they will matter and, and they will play a part in draft draft selections and so on and and everything like that to what degree but uh you know i i just think that the nature of us people in the business players uh, the competitive juices run and that's the way it is i i i for sure know that that's the way it is so peter anholtz the gm of the lethbridge hurricanes maybe i should ask you a little about the team uh, that's going to be on the ice here starting Friday. Uh, it's a it's a much different feel this year. Obviously, it's been almost a year since we've seen the rosters, and uh, no Dylan Cousins anymore, and uh, and uh, no uh, Kalen Addison uh, either. Uh, who who becomes your de facto uh, leadership group here uh, with this club? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, we we really uh, will have our two returning goaltenders back again. For another year, and and so we we feel that we should be fairly solid there, and and uh, you know uh, Alex Cotton really took a step in the league last year as mm-hmm. you know being the leading scorer as far as uh, defenseman goes. So you know he's got to continue to develop as a as a as a premier player in our league. We made a trade for for Mitchell Prouse from Victoria as an overage. We did that way early in the, you know, late in the spring there. And, and uh, we really thought that we needed to add that overage presence because we were going to have a lot of young defensemen. And, and so those two guys, I think have got to really lead our, lead our back end. We do return uh, Joe Arnson, which I, we're looking for him to have a real good year, but up front, you know, but Logan Barlogi, to me, Guy is 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 a real key. I, he's Bar Barlogi has never really played on any team where he's been one of the oldest players. Mm. He's always played up as a young kid, and and of course was drafted fourth overall in the Bound Draft way back in the day. Um, you know, we really look for him to take a step, uh, you know, and be a, a big, big part of our hockey club. And, and Edmonton area native uh, Noah Boyko, who was one of our first-round picks a few years ago, he's, he's got to take a whole different step, and, and we look to him. And, and we have the overage uh, Dino Cambites. Uh, we really like Dino. He's our captain, and, you know, we really like what he can bring. But, you know, a couple other guys, uh, boy, Alex Thacker has really stepped out and been a good player for us. Of course, he's from up in your area there too. And and then, then uh, you know, Zach Stringer, who was another yeah. first-round pick for us, uh, we, we looked to Strings to have a real good year and, you know, going into his draft year, so... Yeah, it should be fantastic for sure. Uh, lastly, I know there, when the 24 games was announced, there were some people who, who would say, you know, why bother? There's some risk in, in getting everybody back together. It's only 24 games. It's nowhere near a regular season for the WHL. So why? Why do it? Uh, I, I know the answers about the players, but maybe from your perspective, how would you answer somebody who said that? Well, I think, uh, first of all, I think we have an obligation our league has an obligation to our players to to supply some sort of a development season uh regardless of what that 
what the number of games are. I mean, uh, you know, I I think when you when a college team is going to play 24 games or whatever, nobody questions that. Uh, but I, I think with us, uh, you know, we'll have lots of practice time, Guy. There'll be lots of development time for the players. Uh, you know, they're going to grow in different ways, different challenges. We've all had different challenges, right? So, you know, I, I just think as a league, uh, we really had a, had an obligation to our players. And that to me is the biggest thing. And, you know, and, and we've got, We've got coaches that are supporting their families, and and uh, we have staff members in our office that are supporting their families. We we just feel that uh, that we need to to support everybody, and that's how we've looked at it. And I I'm sure glad the league has looked at it that way too, Guy. I agree completely, Pete. Really appreciate your time. Uh, good luck this year. Thanks so much, Guy. And as always, thanks for having me on, and and all the best to you. That's Peter Anholt, the GM of the Lethbridge Hurricanes, and uh, he, he mentioned a couple of things in there that I forgot to touch on at the start of uh, the program today. He also mentioned about the potential of divisional playoffs in the Western Hockey League this year, which, again, go back to the opening segment today and you'll, you'll hear my thoughts on that. Uh, he mentioned also the thoughts of maybe no trading. Well, the trade deadline did come and go. No trades on actual trade deadline day here in the WHL. And they did it before the season. I actually like that. There's enough going on in the world right now. You want to simplify things. Uh, So the rosters are as they are, and they will be this way uh, for the remainder of the season in all four divisions. Personally, I like that. So uh, the uh, Hurricanes get going tonight here in Edmonton to take on the Edmonton Oil Kings. The WHL live stream will be available, and it's for free this weekend. So uh, you can check it out and see what you think. If you're happy with it, if you are, then uh, CHL TV. Now you can get uh, all three leagues from the same place. Check the league website out for more information on that. We have one more segment to get to, and it's the one that I had to wait until this very last minute, until uh, Friday here, uh, to actually get done and uh, to include it in this week's show. We're heading over to Sweden. The 2021 Draft Spotlight is going to shine on Oscar Olesen next here on the Pipeline Show. Stutzler, back to Sider, across to Bach. Dominic Bach, great pass in for Stutzler. Slides it back across, they score! Hello, this is Tim Stutzler from Mannheim, and this is the Pipeline Show. Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. I got a bad feeling about this. We're back on the Pipeline Show, and we're going to end this week's episode by turning on the switch, and uh, the 2021 Draft Spotlight segment will close out this week's uh, show. And uh, my guest today is coming to us 
from Sweden, where uh, obviously he's from and he's playing and having a very strong season. Doesn't matter which team or which league he's playing in. Uh, success is following my next guest around. That's Oscar Olsson. Uh, Oscar, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you today? Thank you so much. Uh, it's very good today. Well, I appreciate you making the time. Uh, and maybe let's start there. I, I know you've played in the SHL and the Allsvenskan, and we saw you at the World Junior Championship, and you played a lot of games uh, with the uh, in the junior program for HV71 as well. Which team are you playing with right now? Now I'm playing with uh, Södertälje in uh, Allsvenskan. And, and you've played nine games for them so far and four points, and I know you, you were playing in the SH, uh, in the SHL with HV71 uh, for a, a stretch of the season as well. Um, do you kind of go back and forth, or is this where you expect to finish the year now with Södertälje? Yeah, I'm expected to finish the season in uh, Södertälje, uh, so that's the plan. Okay. Uh, how would you say this season has gone for you? Are you happy with the way that you have played? Yeah, I'm really happy. Uh, the plan was to be a dominant player in uh, uh, G20, uh, but uh, when I started to play the A team and uh, with the World Juniors, uh, it's very, very fun, and yeah, I'm happy to be here. Well, at the J20 uh, level, at with the the HV71 Junior team, 27 points in 16 games. You were having a terrific season. Is that is that league? Even playing right now, is it shut down because of coronavirus? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When you were playing for in the SHL with uh, with HV71, you had four points in 16 games. Uh, that's obviously against men. And uh, you, uh, you, well, you're 18 now. Uh, at the start of the year, you were 17. But how big of a step was that for you? How hard was it to play in the SHL uh, at, uh, at your age? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, they are men. And... I'm just uh, not a little kid, but uh, I'm young. Uh, they're stronger, they're they're faster, but I think I I can handle the uh, speed, good, and uh, the skills also. So yeah, it's fun experience. Yeah, three goals as well. So that's got to be pretty exciting to to be able to score at that level. Yes, uh, I mean I'm a offensive player uh, who likes to score, so it's really fun. How big of a difference is there from the SHL to the Allsvenskan? Uh, I mean, uh, the skills is different. I think the, uh, the speed in the game, it's, the, the skills of the players is not the same. But it's still men, right? I mean, you're still playing against bigger and stronger guys than than you would at the J20 level. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's tough. Uh, tell me about the World Junior Championship here in Edmonton. No points for you in the tournament in the in the four games, but that doesn't mean that uh, that necessarily you, that you played poorly or anything like that. Uh, from your perspective, uh, how do you feel about the way you played? Uh, I think I started uh, uh, pretty good. Uh, I had a scoring chance uh, in the first game, and then uh, it put me outside a little bit, and uh, I don't get so much ice time. So. Mm-hmm. That was tough, but uh, yeah, a fun experience to play World uh, World Juniorship. Uh, pretty weird, though, wasn't it? In Edmonton, no fans and everything like that. It must have been a very strange experience. Yeah, of course, it was weird. Uh, I'm actually going to have played uh, with the fans like that, but yeah, it was weird. Uh, and your team was was uh, 
pretty banged up along the way. I mean, you had a lot of key players, a lot of injuries to the team. Overall, I think it was a difficult tournament for Sweden. Yeah, of course. I mean, we, our head coach, uh, being positive for the COVID test, so yeah. it was not uh, with us, uh, so that was a tough. Coaching staff and some of the players uh, that you that probably would have been on the team uh, got sick as well. Uh, not quite as uh, not not the same thing that Germany went through necessarily, but uh, still that's got to be tough to overcome. And and guys like Philip Roberg clearly were were hurt uh, along the way. Yeah, of course that that was tough. Uh, I mean, he he was our captain and. Uh, yeah. Oscar, what we like to do in this part of the show is uh, introduce my audience to someone who is draft eligible like you are. So uh, not everybody that's hearing this right now will, will know a lot about you. So uh, let's get a, a little bit of background, if you don't mind. Uh, tell me where you're from in Sweden. Uh, I'm from uh, Tronos. Uh, it's a little town. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a little town. Uh, I started to play hockey there. And when I play played there uh, all, all my years up to 16 years. Then I moved to uh, shipping with my family and started to play with uh, HUV71. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now I'm in the 18 in Södertälje and alone. And do you remember when you were a kid, how, how old were you when you first started uh, skating and, and playing competitive hockey? Around the five years I started to skate and uh, I started with hockey to train with a team when I was around six, I think. Who got you excited about playing hockey when you were that young? Was it just a lot of your friends were playing and that got you interested or or who was it? Yeah, you know, I was in a town. Uh, uh, my friends and my, my parents took me to, took me to the ice and uh, I liked it and <laughs> I continued to and have you always been a forward, or did you ever try defense, or did you ever throw the uh, the goaltender equipment on? No, actually, uh, I was center uh, up to 16 years old, so and now I'm a winger. So in Canada, when especially when we were young, you know, seven, eight years old, everybody had to take their turn as the goaltender. Uh, not the case in Sweden, where you know when you were really, really young, you never had to play in in net. No. No, really? Never tried it, eh? Okay. <laughs> it's, I guess it's more fun to score the goals than to, to try to stop them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you said you, you've been a center for most of your life, but now you're playing on the wing. Was that an easy change to make for you? Yeah, I think that uh, when I was young, I take the puck in the position, but uh, yeah, it was only a position, uh, I think... Uh, all skate around and don't uh, think about uh, what position you are. The sheet that I'm looking at, uh, the website, uh, says that you are uh, six foot two, 187 centimeters, and uh, 82 kilograms, which is about 180 pounds. Uh, is that up to date? Is that current or the height uh, is true? But uh, I'm a little bit. I my weight is uh, 84. Okay. So what's wrong with all right, so about 100, well, not quite 190 pounds now, but uh, bigger. How do you get bigger during the season like this? Uh, yeah, um, being in the gym uh, much uh, and strange, uh, so yeah, be, be stronger. 
Oscar, for those of us who haven't had a, a lot of opportunity to watch you play, how would you describe yourself as a player? Uh, I'm a offensive player with uh, high speed, uh, good uh, good hands, and uh, a good wish uh, mm-hmm. uh, I see to play good and uh, to make uh, good plays. Uh, I know people will look at uh, the last number of drafts, and and there's a lot of Swedes every year who who get taken and uh, very highly in the last number of years, uh, defensemen and forwards. Uh, I know Jesper Wallstead's going to be a, a a high pick this year as a goaltender. Is there a, a a player from Sweden in the last two or three years who have been drafted that you're similar to, that you're a, a little bit like? Um, I mean, you're an offensive guy. Are you more like Lucas Raymond or like Alexander Holtz or like Noel Gundler? Or, you know, are are there guys who were taken recently that that you're kind of the same? Uh, me and uh, Noel Gundler has uh, a little bit of the same wrist shot, I think. Uh, but uh, no one else. I think I'm, uh, yeah. Uh, is there a, a part of your game that you think still needs the most work that you, you're trying to get better at and better at before you get to the to that next level? Uh, yeah, I think uh, I need to get better without the puck, uh, the position game, and uh, be stronger on the puck. I think uh, that's it. Now, uh, for the NHL draft, uh, you're being uh, talked about by most people as a, a first-round pick. Is that important to you? Do you think much about the NHL draft? Uh, no, I'm not thinking about it uh, so much. Uh, I mean, I take today for day and uh, trying to get some ice time uh, in the senior league. So, yeah, my focus is there. Is it a, a dream of yours, though, to play in the NHL? Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, it's the best uh, league in the world and the best place, and it can win Stanley Cup. Now, I know growing up here as in Canada or in the United States that's where the NHL is so when young boys uh, look to uh, you know what they can be as a as a professional hockey player it's the NHL because it's right here but you grow up in Sweden Sweden has its own professional hockey league so why is it a dream of yours to play in the NHL and and not just in Sweden yeah because uh, it is uh, the best league in the world uh, and uh, yeah uh, that's it that's and there are a lot of Swedes uh, who have success in the NHL and some really big superstars over the years. Is there? Do you have a favorite uh, Swedish player who uh, played in the NHL when you were a kid? You know, pictures on your wall and things like that. No, not really. No, actually, uh, I have soccer uh, as my sport when I was young. So, well, that's interesting. And you did you play soccer as a kid? Yeah, in the summer. Uh, uh, I play soccer and uh, in the yeah winter I play hockey. All right, it's still even today, or did you have to give up soccer now? No, I have to give up uh, soccer when I was around uh, 15 years old. Right, of course. It was late, but uh, what about uh, when it comes to a favorite NHL team? Did you have uh, a favorite club to cheer for uh, from the NHL? Uh, actually, not uh, I have favorite players, but not uh, a favorite team. Okay. Who are some of those favorite players? Uh, like uh, McKinnon, uh, McDavid, and uh, Matthews. Okay, excellent. Oscar, listen, I really appreciate your time. I wish you the best of luck the rest of the season in, in Soda Italia and whatever happens at the draft. Good luck. Yeah, thank you. A man of few words, Oscar Olesen, who is now finishing the season with Soda Italia in the uh, Swedish Allsvenskan League. 
Uh, although he did play for HV71 in both the SHL and the Junior League, although the Junior League, as we talked about there, is uh, no longer, they've shut it down uh, because of the uh, COVID situation. I think that's, I think that's the case for most of the Junior Leagues in Europe. I know most, a lot of them uh, started earlier this season and then were shut down, uh, like uh, a lot of the leagues here. In uh, Certainly the Junior A Leagues in Canada were shut down. Uh, but the pro leagues uh, kept going, and so he'll finish off in uh, Sotertalia in the Elsvenskan League, uh, which is the step down from the SHL, but it's still against men, so it's still you know at a level that will definitely test him, and uh, he'll be able to continue to hone his skills. Uh, I will be interested to see where a guy like that goes in the draft because there was a lot of buzz about him, you know, prior to the World Junior Championship. I don't think that tournament helped his cause. Uh, I don't know that it hurt him. It wasn't a great tournament for Sweden because of, you know, the situation with uh, their coaching staff and a couple players uh, who weren't able to uh, join the team this year. And then they did they didn't have a great tournament, and uh, he came away without uh, any points in the event. So yeah, hard to say that the the tournament helped his cause or boosted his stock, but certainly there was a lot of buzz about him in the the weeks and months leading up to the tournament. Most people, most rankings I see uh, still have him pegged as a uh, first-round pick, though, so uh, you would uh, should expect to hear his name on day one, at least at this point. That wraps up this week's episode, so brings us to the end, and uh, of course that means uh, a quick mention for my Hello Tushy bidet, the uh, 3.0 modern bidet attachment. It's here, and it's uh, definitely available. It's eco-friendly, it's easy to install, and it is definitely affordable. Right now, and uh, I just got this confirmed with uh, the fine folks over at Tushy, when you go to the website, that's hellotushy.com slash pipeline. I'll say it again, hellotushy.com slash pipeline. You're also going to get an automatic 10% off your order. So the last time I looked on the website, the 3.0 bidet was uh, on sale. Uh, and you can get the the one with uh, two knobs, so we, there's a temperature setting as well in case you want to have a nice warm water, it was on sale. So you're going to get an extra 10% off of what's listed on the website. That's fantastic. Again, that's hellotushy.com slash pipeline. When you get it and you have it all installed and you're using it, let me know. Confirm for me and for the rest of the audience how fantastic it is and how life-changing it is to have a bidet. Thanks to all four guests that you heard from on the show today. We uh, heard from... Uh, both Brent Sutter and Peter Anholt as their WHL teams get ready to go tonight here in uh, Alberta. Joseph Nardi, who's uh, one of the leading scorers in the NCAA and a Canadian with uh, Northern Michigan. And then Oscar Olison there at the end just a few minutes ago from his home in Sweden. And thanks to his agent, Martin Nelson, for uh, helping set that one up. The WHL is back tonight, at least in Alberta. That starts the AJHL has uh, been confirmed to start as well. Uh, that'll be in uh, about a week's time, only on the weekends. We, we touched on that just as we were closing last week. So next week on the show, probably get somebody from the league on or from one of the teams uh, to come on the show and just talk about the resetting and restarting uh, the AGHL season. We'll keep tabs on what's happening south of the border as we get into the final weekend or two of the NCAA schedule. Might look in on the USHL. The queue is still going. And it's crickets with the OHL, but uh, some of the players are getting a little antsy. Maybe we'll talk about that. Uh, So lots we can uh, touch on next week here on the Pipeline Show. Until then, everybody, uh, take care of each other. Stay safe. 
and I will talk to you next week. My name is Keith Flaming. See ya.